morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know myself, my name is Doug. I'm not the pastor if you're new here, so just to point that out. <laughs> Welcome to the people that are online. My name is Doug, and like I said, uh, I am an elder here at Living Hope. And every now and then we get a chance to be able to speak the Word of God to you when the pastors are away or we're doing a, a longer series where they ask us to take up and do a, a part. So Pastor Mona is away at a conference over the next uh, week or so. Pastor Glenn is here with us today in the back, keeping an eye on things. <laughs> Let's pray this morning before we start. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we can gather here. God, we thank you for your presence. And God, we know that you're here with us today. And Father, we ask today, Lord, that you would take your enemies, Lord, and you would push them into the ground. God, we ask, Lord, that you would break everything, Lord, that is keeping us away from you. Everything, Lord, that is trying, God, to speak a voice into our ear, Lord, into our minds that would cause us to be bound. And God, we're asking today, God, that by your Holy Spirit we'll be set free. And God, that will allow you to go into our hearts, into the places, Lord, where we try to keep hidden sometimes. Into the places, Lord, where we don't want anybody to see. But yet, Lord, we know that you see all things. And Lord, this series that we're doing, you've given us all things, Lord, to be able to live a godly life and to please you. So Father, we thank you this morning. And God, we just ask now, God, as we speak these words that you gave me, God, just like Maya said, Lord, take me out of the picture and let people hear your voice, Lord. Because God, I can't do anything for these people. You can do all things for these people. So God, these are your people and this is your church. Let your name be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, whatever you normally look up uh, the, your scriptures with, we're in 2 Peter, Peter 1, verse 5 to 8 this morning. And I'll have some of the scriptures up here for you. I won't have all of the scriptures on here, but I'll have some of them. So it says this, <clears throat> But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue add knowledge, and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, add love. For if, the, the scripture says, for if these things are yours and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word barren simply means this. It means you won't be lifeless. So in other words, it says if if you add these things to your faith, you're going to move by the power of the Holy Spirit from victory to victory because you've added something to your weaponry. These things that we're speaking about today are all things are in the arsenal that we need to be able to defeat our enemies, and which are necessary to defeat our enemies. And God said, you won't be lifeless and you're not going to be unfruitful, but you're going to have to come to the understanding of who He is. And it's by His power through Christ, that you can do all things, no matter what comes your way. In chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Now, you have to understand something. He didn't mean I can do all things through Christ so I can get what I want. That's not the context that he's speaking of. He says, I can do all things through Christ. He meant, I've learned that no matter if I'm hungry, no matter if I'm fed, no matter if I have money, or if I don't have any money, it doesn't matter if I'm being treated well or if I'm, beaten, if I'm being beaten for the gospel. 
He says, I can do through the power of Christ. I can have this power move me. Through this power, I can come to the knowledge and I can come to the purposes of my life. They can be fulfilled for the glory of God. And he says, we have been going through, you know, we've been going through this scripture over the last, my goodness, I think six to eight weeks. And it's the basis for this series that we're calling All Things. And we're coming to the understanding that God has given us all things. He hasn't given us some things. He's given us all things. And because he's given us all things, we're able to live a godly life that pleases him and to influence the world that's around us for the glory of God. Now, just for a quick recap, the first three parts Pastor Mona did, and she talked about the pressures that we face in life. And she introduced us to 2 Peter, that, and she said, we've been given all things through Christ in order to be diligent to add to our faith. And she said, we all deal with life pressures, don't we? But she said, we don't all walk well under them. And the second time, uh, the, for week number four, I spoke about adding virtue to our faith. And I spoke about living a life that's pleasing to God and a life that was honest and a life that was upright. And if you did that, it would ensure that you would be Christ-centered. And that the church would also be Christ-centered. In week number five, Jonathan spoke about adding knowledge because it says add knowledge to virtue. And he said that add knowledge to your faith and he exhorted us that if we wanted to advance in our faith towards maturity, we have to know more of Jesus if we want to advance. And he says he did, we need to know more of Jesus so that our souls will become established. In week six, I put, that was an ouch moment. Self-control. We talked about self-control. And it said, and Pastor Mona talked about Ephesians 5 that she told us that to be very careful how we live, to live wisely and not to live as unwise. Because she said that self-control will help us to walk in a place of victory. Because you see, God's given us, folks, in that if you just look at that one scripture, verses 5 to 8, God's given us such an arsenal that if we add these things to our faith. We're going to be overcomers that Paul talked about in Romans 8. In Romans 8, remember what he said? He said, though we have trouble on every side. Paul said, you know, Paul had trouble coming from the left and from the right. He had trouble in the front of him. He had trouble behind him. It's like they always wanted to kill him. They're always trying to push down the gospel. But thank God that the way upwards was still there. And he says, though I have trouble on every side. He said, no, despite all of these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And you know, sometimes I think we like to try to add excuses, don't we? Why we can't live an effective life for God. Why we can't live a God-honoring life. We have all these types of excuses that we want to put, put into play. But when you look at Scripture, we have no excuses. We're without this truth. It, when it comes to being supplied with everything that we need, to go forward and overcome that which faces us in our daily lives, God has deposited His Spirit within us. God has deposited something within us. The Creator of the universe. The God that is sovereign. The last time I checked, God is sovereign over all things. It doesn't matter what it is. He's sovereign over me. He's sovereign over you. He's sovereign over creation. He's sovereign over hell. He's sovereign over everything. And that brings us to today. We're going to be talking about Perseverance. 
I want to tell you a story. 1983. Some of you might have remembered it. It's a true story, by the way. 1983 at the Australian Ultramarathon. And this is a foot race, 544 miles or 870 kilometers, whatever you, I guess, relate to better. And it was from Sydney to Melbourne. And at this event, there's an odd competitor that shows up. This guy. His name is Cliff Young. He's a 61-year-old farmer. And he's not like all the rest of the people that show up that are professional and they have all their professional running shoes and they got all their sponsors, they got all the right gear. No, he shows up with a baggy t-shirt, he shows up with overalls, he shows up with a hat with those, you know those hats with the flaps on them there? He shows up with that, he shows up with gum rubbers and galoshes over his gum, rubber, his gum rubbers. And everybody's laughing at him. The officials are laughing at him because they thought that he... They were being pranked. Some of you saw that show on TV, pranked. Well, they really thought they were being pranked at this, at this uh, Australian ultramarathon. But Cliff, he was serious, and he was ready to run. And even when the press went to talk to him a bit, they said, excuse me, Mr. Young, do you have a sponsor? And he said, no, I don't have a sponsor. Do you have any professional sneakers? No, just have my boots. He says, I see you got rubber galoshes over your boots there. Why is that? He said, well, I mean, it's a long race. It could rain. <laughs> says, do you have any professional training, Mr. Young? No, I just get up every morning, and I, I herd my own animals on the farm, and I, I can't much afford a tractor or a horse, so I kind of herd all my sheep and everything up myself. So they put a name. You put his name on the roster, and somebody... Pinned a number to him. You can see the number kind of pinned to his shirt there. And you know, when all the runners lined up, there was this weird oddness. They really thought he was still being, that they were being pranked. And the question was, was this old man really going to compete against young, highly trained athletes with sculpted bodies? Not a body like mine, but sculpted bodies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you all saw them. People who run, eh? It's like, man, they're like... <laughs> you know, I always laugh at my son because he always tells me, I could outrun a police officer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, and as they lined up, they really thought it was still a joke. Some, a lot of people thought Cliff was naive, and there's a lot of people that thought he was deranged, really. And they jeered at him, they laughed at him, and they shouted insults at him. So all of a sudden, the gun goes off, and the runners take off, and the crowd begins to laugh. Because there's such a contrast between him and the professionals. Because the professionals got these, these, these perfect, like, they, don't, they know how to run. They know how to do this stuff. And he's got this little shuffle, and it came to be known as a, a world-famous, the cliff shuffle. It was just like a little shuffle. <laughs> and uh, so everybody's laughing at him. And I put a question here. Did he ever feel that way like everybody else is ahead of you and you ask yourself am I going to make it why am I even here because the gun goes off and the the runners are gone and Cliff is just there you know and he's he's all by himself but five days 15 hours and four minutes nobody was laughing 
I don't know if you see the next slide there. 15 hours, four minutes later, five days. Nobody was laughing. Cliff Young crosses the finish line almost 10 hours ahead of the second place runner. Yeah. Sets a world record. And the question was, how in the world did this aging farmer accomplish such a spectacular run? There was two facts that came out when he interviewed him. It says, first, he was a poor shepherd, too poor to buy a horse. So Cliff herded his flock by himself, all of his sheep, sometimes running all day and all night just to keep up with his flock. And second, he didn't realize that runners in ultramarathons stopped at night to rest. <laughs> he didn't know that. It's his, first, it's his first marathon. He ran the entire distance without sleeping. The whole thing, he just kept going. <laughs> you see, Cliff had the primary attribute required to win any long-distance race. He had perseverance. He just kept going. You know, all of his competitors would stop at night to rest, rest their muscles, get their professional, you know, massages on their legs and put those things like, you know, get those things that, that but he just... He just kept going, and he sets a world Look at him. He sets a world record. <laughs> his eyes, folks, his eyes were on the goal. His eyes were on nothing else but the goal. And you see, the word per perseverance means this. It literally means to bear up under, and it describes someone who remains steadfast in the face of severe trials and obstacles and suffering. Because perseverance is this. It's a never give up attitude. And attitude simply means this. It's a settled way of thinking that reflects your behavior. A settled way of thinking. Now, come on. Some of you that are married here or some of you that have teenagers, you know, they go around sometimes or we go around like slapping things around. Somebody asks us if we're mad. We're like, I'm not mad. But you're slapping things around. Well, you've got this settled way of thinking of what you, of what you just went through and your behavior is saying what you're thinking. So that's an attitude. But perseverance is a never give up attitude. It's a commitment to move forward when everything is conspiring to hold you back. And as Christians, we're in a race. And the question is, is your eyes on the goal? Is your eyes on the goals of heaven? Is your eyes on the goals of Jesus? Is it on the goal of eternity? Remember Paul when he addressed the people in Philippians 3. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I'm going to persevere. I'm going to press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Because you see, there's a purpose. There's a purpose God took hold of you. It didn't happen by chance. You're not the lucky one in your family. Your, your name wasn't put into a holy hat in heaven and the angels picked out your name and said, oh, Erica, salvation today. No, that's not the way it worked. God chose you. God put his hand on you. God chose to glorify his name through you in this generation as he did Paul. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, don't, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing that I do... I'm forgetting what's behind, and I'm persevering towards what's ahead. And I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul was saying, come what may, 
Whether it's pain, whether it's suffering, whether it's trials, whether it's temptations, Paul says, victory is mine in Christ, and I'm moving towards it because Christ will be glorified in my life because he's worthy. No matter what hell says, no matter what your situations say, Jesus Christ is sovereign above all things. And there's always a purpose, folks. There's always a purpose in trials, and there's always a blessing when we persevere through them. And you know, in this world, there's always going to be trials. There's always going to be sufferings. You can't get away from them. It just doesn't go away because you're a Christian. Dr. David Jeremiah said this. He says, I've got a secret that I've learned over my lifetime. You don't have to go looking for trials. The world is well stocked with an abundant supply. Isn't it true? He says, if yours, if yours haven't arrived yet, be patient. They're on the way. And he says, and when those tough circumstances assail you, don't run and hide. He says, face them. Face them head on. He says, persevere through them, and you're going to experience the mercy and the compassion of the Lord, which will form in you strength of character and a heart that hopes. Because perseverance does that. That's why Jesus, that's why God told Peter, and he added these things to Scripture. These are things that if we add to our faith, it's going to give us something at the end. You see, perseverance has the power to accomplish a remarkable harvest through the person that possesses it. Didn't God reap a harvest through Paul? All of the trials, everything that he went through, wasn't there a harvest that came in because of it? Oh, yes, there was. He said, perseverance adds a forceless and a fortitude to our personalities, and it, it enables us to reap a harvest. It enables us to gain the victory. It enables us to glorify the Lord. Now, if you look at somebody who went through some trials, we all know the story of Job, don't we? In the Bible. And Job was, I mean, m most of his life, he was an exemplary, godly man. He had wealth, and he had a, he had a large family. But one day, all of that changed when Satan targeted him for an attack. And through a mind, I guess through a series of mind-numbing disaster, Satan was allowed to destroy his wealth. He was allowed to destroy his servants. He was allowed to destroy his children. All in a single day. Can you imagine? My goodness, I lose a trout and I get all upset. Imagine losing all, everything, everything that he, you know. <laughs> it's true, I'll go fishing and I'll lose a big one right on, this, right on the shore there. And it's like, your, your day's done. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine Job. The devil struck him with everything. And he, he even struck him with a disfiguring disease. And at, you know, all the way through it, Job was like reduced to this moaning guy scraping his sores with a piece of broken pottery. That's what he was reduced to from where he was and to where he was now. But despite all of Job's trials, he never gave up. He never gave up. He maintained his trust in God. Because God, at the end of the book of Job, shows up, doesn't he? Like a whirlwind. And he restores Job to unparalleled blessing. Forty chapters. Could you imagine? Forty chapters Job suffered. And in Job 42, he says, it says that now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Because, see, God sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. In our trials sometimes and things that we go through and, you know, everything that's coming against us, that's probably our first thought sometimes. God, you, you must have forgotten me. God hasn't forgotten you. Like, you've never forgotten Job. And James, James brings it to the New Testament and he talks about Job and he says, 
In James 5.11, he says, As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. He says, you've heard, the, you've heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. He says, the Lord is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. You see, Job learned that God, who is big enough to control all of the universe, he surely has you and I covered. He surely has you and I covered in the things that we go through. And you know what I love at the end of Job's story? Job's testimony at the end of his story was this. He said, I know that you can do everything and that there's no purposes of yours that can be withheld from you. Isn't that great? God said that. And Job said that. That's his, that's his testimony at the end of his trial. There's a blessing there. And God restores him to even greater measures than what he was before. You see, he learned to trust God rather than to question him. Because this is what perseverance is. It's our willingness to wait on God, to apply His grace to our frustrations and His answers to our questions. I know a lot of times it's hard when, when we're in our trials, when we're going through the different things. I've asked, I don't know how many times, why God? Why? I'm your child. Shouldn't I have some special privileges here? You know, but we live in a fallen world. I'm going to explain a little bit later. You know, when we have perseverance and we continue to move forward, I know it's not an easy lesson, but it becomes a relief at the end because it's one of life's greatest comforts. When you start to persevere and you, you get into the middle and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're not giving up and that's when you're going to start to understand who God is and his power and his grace and his mercy, and all of a sudden you come to the understanding, you know, you learn to trust God, and you come to that point of realizing, I can't do this, God can, I think I'm going to let him. Amen. You know, and when we do that, God never fails. God can't fail. So what happens is, perseverance, it produces trust within us. Because you see, God begins to move in our situations. I've seen it over and over in our lives. My goodness, you know, we start to, you start off by panicking, and then you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And then halfway through or whatever, you know, you begin to see God begin to put his input in, and just to put his blessing in there. You know, and I mean, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were just kind of persevering and saying, I don't know how these things are going to work out. I really don't. There's, you know, you take out your calculator, and you take out your checkbook, and you take out your account, and you look at, I don't know how this is going to work out. Then all of a sudden, God just puts his little thing in there, and all of a sudden, boom, it's all done. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to try to figure it out. It's just like God, sovereign over all things. Boom, done. You know, when we persevere. And when we trust God, there's transformation. So you could say perseverance, it produces transformation in us as well. Romans 5, 3 to 4 says this. It tells us to rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he goes on to say, but let perseverance finish its work 
Let it finish its work. Go through it. Trust God. Because so many of us, we, we, we give up before the, pers- before the persevering is done, before the blessing. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and you won't be lacking anything. In other words, perseverance is the essence of maturity. It helps you to mature. And if you can't persevere, a lot of times you're not going to mature. Because it's to, in the persevering, that's where we learn who God is. We face trials because God wants us to learn to trust Him and to press through with grit and to press through with grace. That's perseverance because spiritual transformation, folks, it just doesn't happen. It's just not something that, boom, I'm spiritually transformed. No, it's through the fire of difficulty we get transformed. Because, you see, God knows that we need trials to form our character. Just like athletes, they need resistance to form and to tone muscles. He's not just going to leave us in our comfort zones. A lot of times we want to be left in our comfort zones. We just want to stay right here. And God pulls us out somewhere, and we're like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do that? You know? But that's where our spiritual muscles, muscles they're not going to waste away from the lack of no use. You know, I remember my son, Brad, when he started at the gym, and I was thinking the other day when I was writing this, it gave me a picture of perseverance because when he first went to the gym and he decided he was going to go to the gym, well, he put two 45-pound plates on the bar, and I seen the video that he sent me. <laughs> and his arms were just, just shaking, you know. <laughs> he wanted it so bad, but he didn't give up. And then he sent me another video, and he's like, And then he sent me another video. <laughs> and then he sent me another video. And he's got the two 45-pound plates on a bar. And he picks it up with one hand and he puts it over his head. And, and I can hear his friends behind saying, oh, my gosh. Because he persevered and persevered and, and did it and did it and did it. And, and, you know, the more that we do things, the easier that it gets. <coughs> and now, you know, we're at the point where we're saying, ugh. You think you should be lifting that much? You know, picking up 500 pounds and putting, you know, getting close to putting three plates on each side of the bench. You know, it's, it's, and that's from somebody that started off really small. But when you persevere and you keep doing it and you go after it and you don't give up, it gets easier and your muscles get stronger. It's the same thing in our spiritual faith. <coughs> you know, every time that I decide to put my trust fully in the Lord, and I haven't always done it because I haven't, I'm not perfect. I haven't always done it right. But I'm telling you something, every time that I put my faith truly, all of it, in God, doesn't matter what the difficulty was or the hardship, I just decided in my mind, I said, God, listen, I'm going to trust you. There's nothing that I can do here. I'm just going to persevere and I'm going to trust you. Every single time, it produced strength in me. It produced character in me. It produced courage in me. And you know what? It also affected others. Because a lot of times when I went through my trials and different things and I decided, okay, I'm going to persevere. God is going to do this. Get out of my way, Satan. God is for me. and He's not against me. He's going to help me through this. Somebody always noticed and it'll always encourage somebody and it'll always help somebody. And that's why we have to persevere. So quickly, three things. How do we, persevere, how do we pursue perseverance? Really quickly, number one, put your problems in perspective. Look at your problems in the light of eternity. That's what Paul did. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He speaks of his hardships, but he says this. We don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He said, for our light affliction, which is just 
a moment is working for us far more exceeding eternal weight and glory. And in Romans 8, he says, I don't consider my present sufferings worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. So, you know, Paul had to put in perspective. Yes, I'm going through some things in my life, but you know what? I'm only here for a little while. And then we're going home. You know, and God has given us everything we need. He's given us all things. He's put the Spirit of God in you and in me. There's nothing that can't be done. There's nothing that we can't overcome. <coughs> Number two, just tackle today. You know, your job and my job is just simply putting one foot in front of the other. Tackle life step by step. Remember, remember when God appointed Joshua to lead the Israelites, and he gave them the responsibility to lead them across the Jordan River and to conquer the promised land. He told Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to give you every place that you set your foot. Every place you set your foot, Joshua, I'm going to give it to you. In other words, you can't make any progress, Joshua, or you can't make any progress, Living Hope Church, unless you go forward and you put one foot in front of the other, step by step, because God is with you. And every single step that you take is going to be a victory. That's what he told Joshua. He said, Joshua, every place you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Because, see, God's plan is step by step. And you have to take life day by day. And maybe sometimes you're saying, well, I don't even know what the first step looks like. Well, no. Matthew 6, <clears throat> verse 33 and 34 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's the first step. Seek God. Seek his righteousness. And he says, all of these things are going to be given to you as well. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. And number three, refuse to quit. What if you just refuse to quit? It, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever light throws at you, what if you just refuse to quit? I mean, that's the theme of the book of Hebrews. If you look at Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he's addressing a group of people that are completely discouraged. And the key text in Hebrews is, is Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. And it says, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't throw away your confidence. It says you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you're going to receive what he has promised. But so many times we quit before. What if we just listen to our coach, the Holy Spirit? What if we just persevered? And I'm going to close with this. Remember when Luke <clears throat> said about Jesus and the time came for Jesus to leave Galilee and to travel towards Jerusalem? Where Jesus knew that he was going to face arrest. He knew that he was going to be tortured. He knew that he was going to be whipped. He knew that he was going to be disfigured. And he knew that they were going to take him and they were going to nail him to a cross. Luke 9.51 says this. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He didn't say he cowered away. He didn't overthink it. No, the Bible says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And it's remarkable words. Because it's like Luke paints a picture for us 
<clears throat> of this look of unconquerable resolution that comes over the countenance of Jesus' face. As if to say, there's no turning back. Let's go do this. Could you imagine? Jesus knowing what he was about to encounter. Simply put his face towards Jerusalem and says, let's go. It's time to bring man back to God. What an awesome thought. Dr. Jeremiah says this, so when you feel like quitting, says just look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. Look at his ascension into heaven. Look at him on his throne. Look at his victory. Look at his love for you. Look at his grace, and it says consider him. Meditate on him. Talk to him. Draw from his word and never give up because God goes before you. God is for you. And the Bible says if God's for you, who can be against you? There's nothing that can be against you. doesn't matter what comes. Come what may. Like Paul said, come what may. You know, my home is in heaven. God sees me. I just have to persevere, and God's going to go before me, and he's going to give me every place that I put my foot. I didn't say it's going to be easy. It's never easy. Persevering is never easy. But God says, I'm with you. I just want to end with a small video, <clears throat> and I'll come up uh, and finish it off. It's probably about a five-minute video. And I want you to think of this video as your spiritual life. I want you to think of it in terms as you facing what you're facing today. Think of the coach on the sidelines as God and the Holy Spirit cheering you on. And I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing in this video that I love. People start off, people start off laughing. Yeah, you have to rewind it, please. People start off laughing at this young man. But they don't laugh at him too long. They start to stand up and they start to take notice. Now, I want you to think of that as all of hell taking notice. All of your friends, all of your family, everybody taking notice that you're doing something beyond your own power. You're doing something and you're persevering. They're taking notice and they're watching and they're saying, how can it be? And that's the influence that we're to have when we put perseverance into our lives. It's not even funny, dude. Oh, yeah, it is. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. OK. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. <laughs> I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. 
That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. I ain't done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm buying out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach. What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160.
some of us need this type of perseverance in our lives and in our Christian walk. You know, when life gets tougher, a lot of times the first thing that goes is our trust in God. Eh? We like to take that, we like to throw that away, but it's, we forget that it's the one thing that we need. It's the only thing that we need. And, you know, when I looked at that video, I said, you know, God doesn't want us giving up at the 30 when we can go all the way to the end zone. And I just put a quick note. Some of you are probably the most influential people at your work. Some of you are probably the most influential people in your family. Some of you are probably the most influential when it comes to your wife or your husband. Some of you are the most influential people to your kids. And some of you are probably the most influential here in this church. And God has given us this gift to be able to persevere. And he's given us the help of the Holy Spirit so that we won't quit. Because when we persevere, that's how we encourage one another and that's how we encourage the world also. They see us going through things that we can't get through by any human natural means. It's impossible sometimes. And they'll take notice. And when they take notice, they're going to ask questions. Where do you get your strength? And that's where we can point them to Jesus and the hope of the risen Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. And God, I'm asking this morning that you would help us to understand this word, God, with persevering through our trials and through all the different things that come our way. God, your word tells us that you would never, ever leave us. You're always with us, Lord. God, you've given us so many weapons to use. God, we have prayer, we have fasting, we have, your, we have the name of Jesus. We have so many different things, God, to be able to battle here on earth the things that are coming against us and to silence, Lord, the voices of the enemy. Father, I pray that your word would go forth this morning. And God, for those that are going through difficult times, God, that they'll learn of this gift of perseverance, Lord. That there's a blessing that's coming at the end of it, Lord. And God, that your name will be glorified and honored, Lord. And God, that people will take notice and they'll see the hope that there is in Christ. So, Father, we thank you for this for this morning, God. We thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, as we go home, that you would just keep the, the, the word fresh in our minds. And, God, that you would work it from our head into our hearts. That it won't be just head knowledge, but, God, it'll go into our hearts, God, and it'll settle there on good ground. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to ask the worship team to come, and they're going to play us a song. We want to thank you for joining us this morning. We want to thank you for joining us online.